we present the news quiz with your host, Sandy Toxvig. Welcome to the news quiz. We start with a headline from the Evening Standard, read by Charlotte Green. Minister resigns over brown smears. <laughs> and our thanks to Francis Norton for sending that in. Now let's meet the teams. Will you welcome first on my right, Andy Hamilton and Carrie Quinlan. And opposite them on my left, Jeremy Hardy and Phil Jupiter. Andy, who's sugared the pill for reform? Well, this is the only man in the country who must be praying for a swine flu epidemic. <laughs> Gordon Brown. Because mm. if there is a swine flu epidemic, he can claim that, oh, I can't have an election, it'd be unhygienic. <laughs> it struck me, listening to the accounts, that the relationship between Brown and the Labour Party is now very like the classic pattern of an abusive marriage, where... He's saying, no, listen, I can change, just give me a chance. <laughs> and they, they keep taking him back, you know, and all the neighbours are going, oh, why don't you just... <laughs> just call the police. Um, but anyway, one of his sort of attention-seeking things that he did was he brought Alan Sugar in as an enterprise czar. Mm. I don't know why they insist on calling them czars, enterprise czars. The czars weren't fantastically efficient. LAUGHTER uh, they either butchered thousands of people or they got butchered themselves. So I don't quite understand that. But um, I suppose Sir Alan Sugar, you know, if you think what he does for a living, he weighs up the defects of delusional wannabes. Um, so he might feel at home in government. I don't know. Do you think, do you think reality show stars are really the next thing for ministerial office? Do you not think well, we could have a, a programme? Yeah. I don't know. Britain's got a new permanent undersecretary for... <laughs> I was, I was very surprised that Susan Boyle didn't get defence. <laughs> <laughs> she would have been good, would wouldn't have been she? Great. Would have been I wonder if the Cabinet will get infected with that way of speaking. You know, you know the way that the apprentice candidates always speak. Alistair Darling will start coming out with things like, I don't know the meaning of the word failure. <laughs> and all those kind of, you know, I'm a winner. It's classic, because you always know that the bloke who says, I'm a winner, there's a word begins with L, I don't want to even say it. And you think, <laughs> right... He's the one being fired, always. But when people do say, you know, I don't know the meaning of the word failure, I think, well, I'm not employing you. <laughs> You're clearly an idiot. Mm. <laughs> Look it up. I it's not Sir that complicated a word. I think, I think one of the tasks Sir Alan should give them is compiling a dictionary yeah. one week. And they say, I don't know the meaning of the word failure. You think, oh, well, that's it. Make it a spelling bee. <laughs> What's really irksome is dragons, then, because they keep calling them the dragons. It's like on Desert Island Discs when they say, so on this island, do you think... And you think, there isn't really an island. <laughs> Stop going on about the island and whether he'll be able to fashion a shelter out of sand and bits of dolphin pus. It's not... There isn't an island. It's just an excuse to play some records. And it's the same with dragons, then. They're going about the dragons. And they're not dragons, they're capitalists. And dragons... <laughs> dragons do not have dens. Dragons have lairs. Lions have dens. <laughs> Someone's got to stand up for these standards. Is it, is it like thought for the day? There's no real thought to take away with you, is it? <laughs> what, about, 
the, what about the, anybody about the reforms that, uh, that Brown has instituted? He says he's going to bring back credibility. Actually, I did feel sorry to him. Brown said he was going to institute reforms to bring back credibility to the House of Commons. And honestly, the next day, Anne Widdicombe said she was going to stand for Speaker. I thought, that, <laughs> that man can't get a break, really. People like, like Widdicombe now, though, don't they? Because she's a character in the sense that it would be better if she were fictional. <laughs> Did you see, I felt sorry for Nick Clegg. Can I just say, he, he said that the House of Commons should cancel their recess until they've sorted all the reforms out. And I think cancelling everybody's summer holiday, Nick Clegg has not quite got the hang of that popularity lark, really. <laughs> has How have the Lib Dems not gained ground on all this? It's a skill, and we're very proud of it. It's brilliant. <laughs> uh, Gordon Brown has announced his plans for parliamentary reform following a reshuffle that saw Sir Alan Sugar appointed Enterprise Czar. Brown has now promised a series of reforms, including handing back more power to Parliament. Well, we've tried everything else. Let's give democracy a go. So. <laughs> Two points to Mr Hamilton. Uh, Carrie, who faces an unhealthy shortage of funds? That's the NHS. Uh, two points. Isn't right, it? Jeremy. Brilliant. <laughs> I love a quiz. Um, the, the NHS is... It says it's £15 billion in deficit, but it's projected to be £15 billion in deficit mm. in five years' time. So that's sort of a guess, so I think we can ignore it. You should be in government. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there's talk that the NHS is going to have to cut back on services, and the one that they particularly brought out in the papers was dentistry. So presumably all the listeners in America are falling about laughing right now about they're going to cut back on British dentistry? <laughs> At least we have teeth with individuality, don't we? <laughs> we look like a kaleidoscope of ill-appointed graveyards. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is that they say that part of the problem is the ageing population. And there's quite an obvious solution there, that if the NHS goes a bit rubbish because it hasn't got the funds, then... People won't be living as long, and we'll finally get to a point of perfect... Um... You're very close to a programme of mass sterilisation. <laughs> really, I've got... I know how the National Health Service can raise almost limitless amounts of funds. Go through patients' pockets? Yes. <laughs> My second idea was that you uh, do a television programme called Britain's Got Illnesses. Oh. And then every week you just have a load of sick people in front of a panel of three doctors one of whom has got a rod up his arse, the other of whom is a waste of space, and the lady doctor you just want to burn alive. <laughs> and then every week they just go through all the illnesses and at the end someone gets some antibiotics. <laughs> uh, the NHS faces a £15 billion shortfall by 2011, according to the NHS Confederation Chief Executive Steve Barnett. Gosh, a massive financial shortfall after 2011. I wonder what's happening in 2012. <laughs> means the government won't have the money for basic services, or I do hope it's something good. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, quick supplementary question uh, on the subject of health. Anybody know what WHO have declared today and why? Oh, the yeah, World yeah, Health Organisation. Yeah, yeah next point over here. Global yes. pandemic. Oh, right, yeah. yes. I thought Extremely a pandemic well. was only an epidemic for pandas. <laughs> That's just sweet. I thought, well, it doesn't matter if they're at risk. They can't even have sex properly. <laughs> As a planet, we're probably better off without the pandas. All we ever do is watch and wait for them to breed, and they never do. They're just a disappointment of a species. They can do it, they just don't think about each other in that way. Uh, we have very strong platonic friendship. With all that slutty eye makeup, I don't know how they can't get <laughs> Dirty pandas. The WHO has declared a swine flu pandemic. Do you not think 
Saying WHO makes you sound like some middle-class mother who doesn't want to admit her children. She's talking about the who. <laughs> <laughs> uh, extra point there to <clears throat> Carrie and Andy. Jeremy, which egg extremists will be going into Europe? Well, we've got to be very, very careful yes. what we say about them. Apart from anything else, we don't want to give them the oxygen of publicity. And as no. Linda Smith once said, uh, you don't really want to give them the oxygen of oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we have to be very careful about... Uh, although Nick Griffin was actually caught on camera addressing a, a meeting of uh, white supremacists in America, he actually said on that tape that they have to play down racism in order to be elected and they, don't no, they longer, no longer talk about racial purity but identity. And we're not allowed to say that they're racist despite the fact that he's a Holocaust denier and the fact that the Andrew Bronze, the other guy who was elected for the BNP, was once prosecuted for shouting white power and death to Jews. Despite all of this, they're not racists. <laughs> Should we just refer to them as liberally challenged? Yes. <laughs> Can I just apologise in advance if there's any suggestion that Nick Griffin is a one-eyed, hate-filled, regressive fascist? <laughs> today, where he, cause he, he's working so hard. He's not the brightest of men, let's be honest. He's w- working so hard at trying to keep that sort of veneer of respectability. And John Humphreys was, you know, interrogating him. And he was playing everything with a straight bat, you know, saying we're not racists, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden it all just got too much for him and he suddenly said, I mean, they've got a black friar tuck in Robin Hood. What's all that about? (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. He he just couldn't help himself. Someone mentioned the BBC and he was off. And that's probably the best defence against them, isn't it? Is that if you give them enough rope, you know. It's a fair point, though. You know, people coming over here, taking our jobs, Sandy Toxvig. Um... <laughs> so Griffin's going into Europe. I can see him being bombarded with Kinder eggs, which are full of sharp little plastic toys. <laughs> or perhaps if he stays over here, I'm just... You know what? I'm not advocating violence, but two words, scotch eggs. They're quite weighty. <laughs> And to be honest, if he's quick on his toes, he'd get a lovely free lunch. <laughs> the other bloke, the other one who got into Europe... Andrew Bronze. I was really proud of not being able to remember his name there. <laughs> I um, had to read it. He got done some years ago for shouting at a policeman and shouting that black people were inferior at a, at a black policeman, I think. And it struck me watching him how it is an, a universal rule that anyone who believes in racial purity is always fantastically unattractive. Isn't it? I mean, if you look at Hitler, Himmler, Fatty Goering, they, they weren't. They, they are all. That's the first prerequisite. It wasn't a Richmond Crompton book, <laughs> Fatty Goering. <laughs> I say, Adolf, should we go scramping in Poland later? <laughs> That'll be a lark. <laughs> The BNP have won two seats in the European elections. Well, not so much one as invaded. <laughs> After being elected as an MEP for the North West, Nick Griffin punched the air. The air is now suing him for aggravated. <laughs> At the end of round one, I can tell you the scores are that Jeremy and Phil have got four points, but Andy and Carrie are in the lead with five. We start round two with a headline from the Deal and Sandwich Advertiser. Missing baby found in sandwich. (laughs) And our thanks to Tom Gekin for sending us that. Andy, who's getting the red carpet treatment on their Roman holiday? Oh, is it Gaddafi? It is. To be honest, I couldn't quite understand what he's doing there, except he seems to be surrounding himself with thousands of women. 
Nothing wrong with that. Um, are they Berlusconi's babes? I think they're Gaddafi's gals. <laughs> There's an awful rumour going around, which I'm going to repeat. We probably can't broadcast. Berlusconi is alleged to have a contraption that helps him. And what's her name? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a mechanical device. Is it a lollipop stick and a it's, rubber band. No, it's a. It's, it's a it's Andy, a... Andy, we've all got a Dyson, mate. Don't be coy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hydraulic device. Yeah. That uh, assists elevation. Oh. Berlusconi can fly. <laughs> No perpendicular elevation. I'm being as euphemistic as I can be. We could start a war with Italy if we keep this going. It'd be fantastic. But if you pumped up your winkle... Yeah. <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't something that the size and shape of a balloon facilitate penetration? No, but you can make a swan out of it. <laughs> it does undermine the sort of Italians being the great lovers of the world if they're yeah. whining and dining you and then suddenly, the, you know, the crucial moment... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> please, please, Berlusconi's got a few bob. His'll be electric. <laughs> when you are having sex with me, pull this toggle to activate genitals. <laughs> Access to the bedroom are here and here. In the event of a failure of power, lights appearing in the floor show the way to the bathroom. <laughs> Apologise to any Italians who might be listening, but, but if you will insist on continuing to elect this ridiculous man, then uh, that's what you've got to expect. Did you see what he was wearing? Uh, oh, yeah, it was he... a cinema commissioner's uniform. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he looked like a cross between Michael Jackson and General Sir Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a fascinating meeting, the two of them, wouldn't it? Yeah. Fighting over the name. It is a ridiculous name, isn't it? General Sir Michael Jackson. It's like being called General Sir Martha Reeves and the Vandellas. <laughs> <laughs> He's very good at retreating, though. It looks like he's coming towards you. <laughs> <laughs> Silvio Berlusconi has welcomed Libyan leader Colonel Gaddafi to Rome, where his three-day visit will include an audience with 700 of Italy's top women. Gaddafi arrived brandishing a photo of Libyan freedom fighter Omar Mukhtar who was executed by the Italians in 1931. Personally, I'd have gone for a box of chocolates, but there we are. <laughs> he has um, he has an entirely female bodyguard. Did you know that? He's, he's Amaz- a Bond villain. He is. He has an Amazonian core. I don't know if that's a victory for women's equality or not. Sorry. Sandy, you sound like Leslie Phillips then. You went Amazonian core. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly got a body needs guarding. <laughs> <laughs> Some of those bodyguards are bang on. <laughs> it's completely fair, Phil. The word Amazonian does something to me. I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, two points to Andy. Jeremy, what advice has reached its sell by date? Hilary Benn, who is the son of Tony Benn, so was bound to say something sensible at some point. Um, 
has said that sell-by dates are rubbish and we shouldn't get rid of them, which is true. And this is one of the big claims of um, Twiggy's Marks and Spencer's advert that she's doing at the moment, saying, look at all the wonderful things that this simple penny bazaar has done. They introduced food. They invented the bed. They've cured cancer. <laughs> and, um, and one of the boasts is sell-by dates. And actually, they're rubbish because you can tell if things are off, because they smell horrible and taste horrible, and you get very sick and die. So you think, <laughs> when it looks and tastes like that, I won't be doing that again. You know hummus is off when it's sparkling. What <laughs> <laughs> were those sweets you used to put on your tongue and they crackled? Pop rocks. Yeah, 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 that's what hummus goes like, you know, in January when you've... you've got fizzy of... hummus. Yeah, when it goes <laughs> in the back of the fridge and you don't see it and you get new and then eventually... But, um... Sounds like an Iraqi porn star, doesn't it? Fizzy hummus. <laughs> Radio person would come up with hummus as the thing that might go off. <laughs> apparently each year, and I don't know how much you guys waste, apparently each year the average family spends £600 on food waste. Because uh, actually it's entirely... Ar- I mean, the, these days, pencils have best-before dates on them. Everything does. Salt, which is basically a chemical, sodium chloride, which has been on the planet for millions of years and will still be, has got sell-by dates on it. And it's all rubbish. If something's got blue hair on it and it's not a smurf, then it's, um, <laughs> then it's probably off. So scrape the blue hair off, give it to your guests and don't have much yourself. Cell <laughs> uh, dates on food could be scrapped to stop people throwing away an estimated 6.7 million tonnes of edible food each year. The government said that many consumers didn't know what to do when things went past their sell-by date. Actually, I I think you'll find the election results prove we know exactly what to do. (laughs) Uh, Two points to Jeremy. Phil, how has a little bit of Afghani sham come to Norfolk? As you might imagine, when you're sending young men into war, they need to practice. And when they're going somewhere as strange and new as Helmand province... They need to have a little bit of a mooch around and know what it's going to be like. So the MOD spent 40 million quid and they thought, right, Afghanistan, an unfriendly, bleak hellhole. (laughs) (laughs) Norfolk. got something like 42 square miles uh, just outside Thetford that they've turned into Afghaniland, the theme park that everybody can enjoy. <laughs> Do you suppose the Taliban have done the same thing? So in Tora Bora there's a replica of Dorking High Street. <laughs> I don't know if you've been to Dorking Lake Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> People in English people wandering up going, oh, it's not very realistic. Look, Woolworths are still open. <laughs> Is it finished, this village? Have they finished the... They're already mooching around it, yeah. They've they've got some Afghan people over here who've agreed to be villagers. They pump the smells of meat into the village, and so it's the smells, the sights, the very sounds of an Afghan village just a scant few miles away from Norwich. (laughs) Is that Jorvik? Oh, Jorvik is fantastic. It smells of weed when you go around. It's really stinky. What's Jorvik? In York, it's the Viking Viking Museum. You go 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 in there and you smell Danish people, Sandy Toxic. (laughs) I can can never go without feeling I should apologise in some manner. Is that because the Vikings were incontinent then, Sandy? Why is that? Sorry. Oh, too late. I need to... (laughs) The Vikings are all over the continent, Andy. Uh... (laughs) 
The army have built a mock Afghan village near Thetford in Norfolk to help train troops before deployment. The Times said it was an unusual sight for the Norfolk countryside, a suicide bomber seriously wounding a passerby and scaring several sheep. Well, I imagine the first bit might be unusual. I imagine Norfolk sheep are quite used to being scared. (laughs) At the end of round two, I can tell you, Jeremy and Phil have got eight points, but Andy and Carrie are still in the lead with nine. Before we start round three, here is a cutting from the Radio Times. Channel 4, 10pm. The perfect penis. A look at how the quest for a better, larger penis has driven men to extraordinary lengths. (laughs) That's that's not a real cutting. I saw Sandy right now. (laughs) Thanks to John Lear for sending us that. Andy, who's made a pig's ear out of a 4X tirade? Oh, well, this is Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay went to Australia and he, he went on some chat show with a woman called Tracy Grimshaw and he did this kind of, you know, bogus, flirty thing that people do on chat shows. And then for some reason, the following day, he was doing some presentation and uh, he flashed up an image, there was a screen, and there was an image of a, of a naked woman on all fours with the head of a pig. And he said it was... Tracy Grimshaw. Tracy Grimshaw retaliated. She went on TV news to say that Gordon Brown was uh, an, an, ego, an egoist and a narcissist and Gordon arrogant. Gordon Ramsay. What did yeah. I say? You said Gordon Brown. <laughs> Someone give the poor man a break. <laughs> yeah. It's not been a good week to be called no. Gordon, has it? No. I had no idea he was an unpleasant person. And there was a... Footage of him backstage at this Australian television thing, shouting and screaming at the makeup people. And I thought, don't shout at them. They've got a terrible job. It must be like putting makeup on a rusk. <laughs> but, but they're chefs. That's what I remember working in a, in a restaurant kitchen when I was 19 in France and being appalled. The chef, we all had to do that thing of shouting. The chef would shout at us. Sometimes he'd throw a saucepan at you. And you had to go, yeah, we chef. Yeah, thank you for throwing that saucepan at me, you psychopath. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, it's only really in the army and in kitchens that people would be allowed to behave like that. W.I. Yeah. as well. <laughs> I love the, the W.I. I love the W.I. I addressed their, um, their conference last year. 6,000 women, and there was a whole section just for Zimmer frames. It was just lovely. You could have had a right laugh if you had a really big magnet. <laughs> I'm concerned that an injustice is going to be carried out. Are we going to mention Dr Crippen tonight? Uh, no, do you want to? Can, oh, if you well, like? can I, I? I just feel guilty, because as a comedy... It was you! <laughs> <laughs> For the past 25 years or so, I've used Dr Crippen as a benchmark of comedy evil, and it turns out that he probably didn't do it. They found out they... they DNA tested the body that was found in the cellar. That was supposed to be his wife. That was supposed to be Cora, his wife, and it turned out to be the body of a man. And it looks like Crippen was telling the truth when he said that he hadn't done it and his wife had done a runner to America. Or he was married to a ladyboy. Hard to say. Right. (laughs) But it just shakes your whole... You wonder what's going to happen next. Is Jack the Ripper going to turn out to be a slightly accident-prone social worker? And... (laughs) 
Gordon Ramsay has issued an unreserved apology after insulting Australian journalist Tracy Grimshaw by portraying her as a naked woman on all fours with multiple breasts and a pig's face. He also suggested that Grimshaw was a lesbian because she didn't find him attractive. Well, I find this odd. I didn't find him attractive. Does that make me a lesbian? Um, <laughs> Which walkabout was train stupid? This is uh, an American who's 19 who was travelling around Australia. On, he was on a train to Alice Springs and the train pulled into a station and he hopped off to you know, get a cup of tea or have a wee... Well, probably a cup of coffee, he's American. Um, or, or have a wee or something. If he was um, American, he'd have had a whiz and a bottle of root beer. <laughs> yes. In the bathroom. In the, in the restroom. Or the John. Wait a minute, now I'm joining in. Okay. I went in one of those restrooms, had to lie down. I've always regretted it. <laughs> went to get back on the train, yeah. and the train moved off. So he thought the best idea would be to jump on the train and just cling on to it for as long as necessary. But this being Australia, it's quite a long time. <laughs> He got his mobile phone out and filmed himself going, um, hanging onto the side of a train. He <laughs> said, well, you can't have been that... Nah. Wouldn't it be funny if he was on his mobile phone and then he's actually clinging to the quiet carriage? <laughs> 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 There's people banging on the window going... <laughs> <laughs> this American boy, he came, I quite like this, he came from the town of North Pole, Alaska... And he went all the way to the Australian outback to nearly die of hypothermia. And, I mean, if he wasn't American, it would be ironic, wouldn't it? <laughs> American tourist Chad Vance defied death, refusing to allow his Australian train to depart without him by clinging onto the outside for two and a half hours as it hurtled across the outback. Train guard Marty Wells, he did a good job, didn't he, um, said Chad was shaking uncontrollably for several hours and complained of numbness to the left side of his body and arms and said his face was stinging. Well, that journey's on the Heathrow Express, just like that. <laughs> uh, before we reveal the final scores, let's hear the cuttings that the teams have brought along. Yeah. Ms Quinlan. Ms Toxvig. Wedding dress, ivory size 12, worn three times. <laughs> Bite marks on bodice. <laughs> <laughs> Mr Hardy. Um, this was sent in by Damien Brandt. And it's from a holiday magazine that advertises holidays in Devon. And it says, The Diddy's Hotel and Wheelroom Restaurant. Enjoy completely unrestricted meal times. Breakfast, 8 till 10am, dinner, 6 till 9pm. <laughs> Mr Jupiter's... Uh, this was sent in by Richard Thompson, who used to play guitar for Fairport Convention. <laughs> it's from the Bristol Evening Post. Uh, outside Bristol Zoo is the car park with spaces for 150 cars and eight coaches, which has been manned six days a week for 23 years by the same charming and polite car park attendant with the ticket machine. The charges are a pound a car and five pound a coach. On the 1st of June, he did not turn up for work. Bristol Zoo management phoned Bristol City Council to ask them to send a replacement parking attendant. The council said, the car park is your responsibility. The zoo said, the attendant was employed by the council, wasn't he? The council said, what attendant? <laughs> the man in question has said to have been earning £400 a day for the last 23 years. <laughs> Let's take a look at the final score. Jeremy and Phil have got 12 points, but this week's winners are Andy and Carrie with 13. 
before we leave you, here is a conundrum from the BBC News website. Are you one of the 43% of adults who do not have internet access? Email us your views. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, goodbye. Taking part in the news quiz were Andy Hamilton, Harry Quinlan, Jeremy Hardy and Phil Jupitus. In the chair was Sandy Toxley, and the news is read by me, Charlotte Green. The chair script was written by Simon Littlefield, Lucy Clark and James Sherwood, with additional material by John Luke Roberts and Gareth Gwynne. The producer was Victoria Lloyd. Thank <laughs> you.